Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It is Downtown Dish. It's Tuesday, and um, I'm Julie Townsend. I am your host. Thanks for joining us. I have a very fun program today. You guys are going to be super excited about my guest when I tell you who it is, so definitely stick with me. Uh, but first, I just want to recap the fun events that are happening. We got July 4th this weekend, Independence Day weekend, so there's going to be tons of fun things to do. Uh, and we want to just make sure that you are aware of what's going on downtown. So, of course, July 1st is First Friday, and our theme is Bike Night. And uh, our partners for that event are Harley-Davidson. They'll have a bike show in the Munn Park parking lot. Uh, they'll have some bike-related, biker-related uh, vendors in Munn Park. And, uh, of course, you'll have the usual things at First Friday. All the shops and restaurants are open late. Uh, we will have um, beer and alcohol sales in uh, at the corner of Maine and Kentucky. And the bars and restaurants are also allowed to have uh, their spirits uh, taken out from the stores and into the streets as long as they're in plastic cups. So uh, you can partake in that this e- uh, for the first Friday. We don't have that at every first Friday, but we decided to do it uh, with the bike night theme uh, with Harley Davidson. And there'll be a full band in Mon Park. It'll be lots of fun. Um, and then July 2nd is the farmer's market, of course, from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, only a few of the markets left. July is the last month before we take our August summer break, and then we'll be back in September. So make sure you stock up on all your favorite items at the farmer's market in July. So only a few more weeks left for the farmer's market. And then July 3rd, which is Sunday, the city's Red, White, and Kaboom event, 6 to 9 at Lake Mirror. Uh, the, they'll have a band uh, on the amphitheater. It's Andrew Love and the Franchise Players. And they'll be playing and entertaining everyone until the spectacular fireworks show at uh, 9 p.m. So it's about a 10 or 15-minute show. Starts at 9 and uh, then, of course, July 4th, Lakeland Flying Tigers, not downtown, but downtown adjacent. Uh, five to nine is the Lakeland Flying Tigers game. There'll be live music from the Sofa Kings after the game. And then following the Sofa Kings, we'll have fireworks at Joker Marchant Stadium uh, after the Lakeland Flying Tigers game on July 4th. So four days of fun things to do in and around downtown. So hope you'll join us for those things. You can always find out about what's going on downtown at downtownlkld.com or social media at downtownlkld. Okay, so now I'm I'm going to tell you who my guest is, <laughs> and he needs no introduction, but it is the one, the only, Mr. Gene Strickland. Hello, Gene. Hello, Julie. Thank you for being my guest today. I've had such fun in talking with you in preparation of you being on on air. I think we missed a lot of good gene spontaneous moments that folks would have enjoyed, but we'll try to recreate them for them. For those of you who may not know Gene, Gene was the uh, city manager for the city of Lakeland from 1985 to 2000. He was the assistant city manager from 66 to 2000. So that is a, how many years of career? 34 and a half. 34 and a half year career uh, in management of the city of Lakeland. So many wonderful things happened under uh, his leadership and in downtown specifically. 
Um, I don't know how many of those things you were on the other side of in terms of contention. I don't know. You, you'll, that, that's probably another day. The Lake Mirror promenade, moving the street around, le, uh, taking the street away around Lemon Street. And, of course, you've got um, the SunTrust building being built and Heritage Plaza and um, uh, Watkins coming in where, you know, now is FedEx for those folks. So we had a lot of boom of activity in downtown under your leadership. Uh, and so thank you. Thank you for your thank you for your service. You're welcome. <laughs> so uh, before we get into sort of the 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 real reason you're here, which we're going to talk about affordable housing and, and, and some of the issues surrounding that and some of the solutions that are that are uh, being brought forward in our city for that. Um, just give us a little give us a little background on you. A brief background on me. I was born in Daytona Beach, Florida. Of course, went to high school there, went to Florida State University. And by the way, the president of SunTrust also went to Florida State University, which helped on that downtown <laughs> deal. And then I, uh, at my age, we all had to sign up for the military as a draft, so I was in the Army Reserves for a period of time. Uh, I got a job with General Electric in a building with four walls and a Frieden calculator. It just didn't feel right. Uh, I met with the uh, city manager of Daytona Beach at lunch one day, and he said to me, Gene, you got two choices. You could go to work for maybe a General Motors and work very hard and rise up to some supervisory level, or or you could maybe uh, get into city management and get in a position where your actual commitment to the job will have an impact, and you might be able to look and see that you were a part of something. Hmm. So I chose that, and it worked out just like he said. <laughs> it sure did. So did you work for Day- the city of Daytona at all prior to coming to Lakeland? No, I never did. Uh, the program that eventually uh, I had to go back to graduate school, uh, to the Wharton School, to a school called Fales Institute of Local Government. And from there, I had to serve an internship, went down to the city of Miami, served an internship there. It was probably there a year, a year and a half. And then I interviewed. Uh, they had too many interns. They said, you guys got to go find a job. <laughs> and I uh, interviewed at Boca, uh, Raton, and Lakeland. And by divine intervention, Bob Yuki, the city manager at the time, hired me. Yeah, but so we have a Yuki Theater named after Bob in uh, at, at the RP Funding Center. So most of the things, yeah, we got lots of history with all of the, the named places in That's town. True. And you knew a lot of these guys. Yeah, he's are... a solid guy, a great city manager, an engineer from Indiana, uh, very conservative, very due diligent with the taxpayers' dollars. It was a blessing to work with him. All right. Well, when we come back, we've got uh, more time to talk with Gene about Gene. And then, of course, we're going to talk about affordable housing as well. So stick with us. And we're back. This is Downtown Dish. I am your host, Julie Townsend. And if you are just tuning in, my very special guest today is Gene Strickland. Uh, Gene was the city manager for the city of Lakeland uh, from 1985 to 2000. uh, And the assistant city manager from 66 to 2000 before that. So he's been in city management for the city uh, for just shy of 35 years. Uh, so has lots of great stories, more stories than we can fit in to this hour and probably some that are not appropriate for radio. 
but uh, <laughs> we'll save those for another day. But I was asking Gene, uh, just, you know, obviously uh, when I moved here, I moved here in 2000, actually 99, so middle of middle of 99. And um, so I don't have a whole lot of history with you as my city manager, um, but I do know that that's kind of when downtown sort of took the turn for the good because all of these great buildings had been built and, and we had, uh, you know, filled the vacant uh, old J.C. Penney and Moss Brothers buildings with Publix and Watkins and all that. And um, so give us kind of a glimpse of what was downtown like bef- before that. Well, I'm going to give you a glimpse of downtown 30 years before that okay. in 1970. When the city commission uh, felt like Lakeland needed a, a they needed restaurants, they needed an entertainment center. They said, why do our people have to drive to Tampa every day to see a concert or hear music or see a symphony, to things of that sort? Mm-hmm. So I think the, the biggest turning point for downtown mm-hmm. actually happened in 1971 to 1974 when they built the Lakeland Center. Mm. That was the entertainment center in Florida. Right. No other place, Orlando, anybody else had, had that sort of facility. And it stayed that way for quite a while. So I think that was a big, uh, a big mark then. Uh, later on, when uh, DiBartolo built the mall out north of Interstate 4, and uh, his agent uh, promised us that, that the two stores, Birdines and Penny's, would stay in the downtown area, that didn't come about. Mm. They left downtown, left two vacant buildings, and as a result— uh, I will tell you one nice thing they did. They gave the two buildings to the city. Oh. Hmm. Uh, nice gesture in their part. I guess maybe by not telling us the truth to begin with, that, <laughs> may, that means they'll still go to heaven. Let's hope so. <laughs> uh, so we took those buildings and, and uh, worked with the LADC and Steve Scruggs and interviewed a lot of folks. People don't realize we interviewed uh, Sony. We interviewed a lot of different folks and ended up, as you know, with Watkins Motor Lines and uh, and the Publix bringing its technology center downtown, which really helped. Yeah. And uh, that that helped bring maybe 900 employees downtown. All of a sudden, you see, start seeing some restaurants. So it still struggled, though. I mean, it was uh, it still did, but pretty soon uh, this town grew, and uh, downtown had a lot of proponents. I remember that there were very few city commission elections that were contentious uh, with having real platforms and issues. But I recall very clearly one election was one component, one candidate was for downtown and downtown improvements, and another one was not. Hmm. And the one for downtown won. Of course. Well, (laughs) I'm sure he would like to have known that before the election came about, but— at any rate, uh, that was interesting. Uh, I, I felt like our city commission all along uh, took bold steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did take the bold steps of buying a lot of property, hoping they could add a mall downtown. That did not happen. Right. But owning that property has since benefited downtown. Yeah, the place where the the mall was supposed to be is where what SunTrust and Heritage are today. Correct? That's one one block. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen and Company had was there in in, in a block there. So yes, uh, in that mm-hmm. two block area, uh, what the, the the plan was you take the old J.C. Penney building, the old Burdown's building, add one more mm. 
large store, and then you had them all. Mm-hmm. We could never get the other large store to come. Mm. Uh, and very frankly, uh, it was interesting. The J.C. Penney building downtown was the last J.C. Penney building in the United States that was built in a downtown area. Oh, wow. Uh, it was on Main Street uh, for for a while and then relocated. Uh, that was due to some very progressive city commissioners that worked hard. Hmm. So downtown's always been... It hasn't been an issue, but it's always been in the forefront of people's minds. Yeah, and it's always a work in progress. We're never done. Apparently so. <laughs> that's why you're here. That is. That's why I'm here. So um, we 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 said we were going to talk about affordable housing because you are you've you've re- you since retired in 2000, but you did <clears> not <throat> uh, go away quietly and and fish on a dock for the last 22 years. What what you been up to? Well, what happened in my last year is we had this old building, uh, the old retirement home, which is now called Lake Mirror Apartments. And uh, it's like many other 1930s uh, buildings that were built around Florida, and it became vacant. And for years, it was a real eyesore, No, no, no solution. We had several comments, well, maybe we need to tear it down and build something there. That didn't work because of the historical mm-hmm. people. Maybe we should uh, turn it into a office building, but if we do that, they wanted to put 150 parking spaces along Lake Mirror, and we didn't mm-hmm. want to do that. And so it went through a lot of different ownerships. Mm. And uh, finally, uh, in my latter part of, of just as I was retiring, uh they talked about maybe doing some affordable housing in, in it. That didn't work because the city commission and the folks downtown said, if we're going to have our first residential building downtown, we would like to be it for it to be market rate. Right. And so, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> affordable housing was turned down. Finally, a market rate deal was made with a developer. I retired about that time. Roger Hart became city manager and uh, the market rate guy asked me if I would, uh, in, in a way, help supervise the construction or at least be the local point man for mm-hmm. the developer. I said, okay. And from that, uh, this individual, at that time it was called Carlisle Group out of Miami, uh, said that uh, they'd like to do affordable housing. Uh, if you can't do it on that building, let's do it somewhere else. Uh, well, uh they asked me if I would have, I got a broker license. I wanted to stay active when I retired. And they asked me if I would fi- help them find land good for affordable housing in central Florida. So I said, okay. And that's got me where I am today. Uh, we, we've, I did several of them in Hardy County in Wachula uh, and one in Juanita uh, over by Winter Haven. And then the uh, St. Luke's uh, Church over on Kathleen Road. Mm-hmm. I always had a vision to do something that would give security and low-income rent to their seniors. Mm. And so I was involved in that particular big 155 apartments for seniors for, it's called the St. Luke's Life Center. So that, that kind of started that. And then um, two individuals, two individuals uh, left that company and asked me if I would continue because I had worked with them when they were working with a company, and since that time, we have been, must be divine intervention again, and we have been very fortunate to do affordable housing. Uh, the Lakeland uh, elected and appointed officials have been super 
cooperative uh, to work with, and we've done numerous ones here that we can talk about anytime you'd like yeah. to know about. So I think, you know, we've we've been talking about affordable housing as a community for a while, and certainly people are, um, uh, I think, wondering, you know, why why is it so difficult to just, you know, build something and, and charge people, uh, you know, a, a decent rate? And, um, and I think there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, the, the obvious thing is that construction costs are construction costs and, and what, what it costs to build in Lakeland, it costs the same to build in Tampa and you can get a much higher rate on your, on your end product in Tampa. So it's when you can't get a, when you can't get the kind of rates that you can get in these other cities, uh, people tend to not build here, but we've had a big building boom. We've had Mirrorton. Um, and we've had a, a lot on, on 98. Uh, we have even more coming downtown. So I know we're probably going to be close to, to a break here in a second, but if I, or in a few minutes, but get, get us started on, um, you know, what the challenges are about affordable housing. Why is it not so easy? Because it actually uh, works through a competitive process with the Florida Financing Housing Committee or board corporation and it's a competitive process to get some let's call them subsidies right now and after the mm-hmm. break i'll give you some details okay. on what i mean by that okay uh so we we've done but we've already done uh let's see four of them uh, will be in lakeland we've done eight of palms that's about five years old in 96 apartments uh midtown loss was opened last year right 80 on parker street in the cra area uh, we are under construction right now on a two-acre site next to Tigertown on Bella Vista, mm-hmm. which will be like 86, I think it is, uh, apartments. And then finally, uh, we just found out we had an award-winning for one on Griffin Road that's not even designed yet, mm. but it'll be under construction in a year. Well, that's that's a lot of wins uh, in terms of, and then we'll talk about that. It's not so easy uh, as just saying I want to buy a lot and and build affordable housing. So you'll you'll educate us when we come back from the break on the challenges of of this process. We'll be right back. We're back. It's Downtown Dish. I'm Julie Townsend, your host. And with me today is Gene Strickland. He is the former city manager of the city of Lakeland, retired in 2000. And now Gene is uh, a consultant, a mentor to some folks that uh, build affordable housing. And you've been doing that for, gosh, almost 20 years as well, 15, right? 15, probably. Yeah, yeah. So Gene was telling us before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, the, the challenges of of building affordable housing in a community and how it's just not as easy as uh, some may think. So get get down into the nitty-gritty for mm-hmm. us, Gene. Well, obviously, there's many different programs. Right. Uh, we'll talk about one program that I'm most familiar with, and that is called the Low-Income Tax Credit Program, which is administered by the Florida Housing Finance Corporation. Uh, apparently, back in Ronald Reagan's days, prior to that time, the federal government was building affordable, low housing, so to speak, mm-hmm. and trying to operate them, and they just, it wasn't a successful program. They became, I guess the word is dilapidated. Right. And so they said, Let, we need to get these buildings into private hands and make them responsible and accountable for maintaining them. So they decided they would allocate to all the states 
some tax credits. We'll give you tax credits that you can sell. Uh, a company can sell those tax credits to somebody who has a large tax burden mm. and, and to help offset their income tax they're paying. So they set up a, a competitive system that they would allow developers uh, to apply for these tax credits. Once the developers got the tax credits, that offset significantly the, the cost construction for new apartments. Mm -hmm. Thereby, they also accept, accepted the obligation once you accepted tax credits to keep your rents at about 50 or 60 percent of what normally would be a market rent. And, uh, and you would also have to, to lease your new apartments to people of lower income. Right. And we can talk about that in a second, the, the amount of income we're talking mm -hmm. about. But when they developed that program, they said that you just cannot build these apartments anywhere. Mm -hmm. They have to have proximity, proximity or closeness to a grocery store with, with, within a mile or so, a pharmacy or a doctor's office, uh, bus transportation would mm -hmm. be good, right down the things mm -hmm. of that sort. And if it's going to be for a family rather than a senior development, it had to have proximity to a school. Mm. So not only did you have, uh, you had to find a site that fit, fit all, that. all that criteria. Uh, and then once you would get that and you had to get a landowner that would agree to allow you to submit their land to the state once a year. And what was happening, there was such a demand for the program. At one point when this first started, the state of Florida was getting like 180 applications a year for apartment affordable development. And they only had enough tax credits to award to maybe 12 mm. different applications. So it was, it was uh, very tough. Somebody said, well, how did they select that? Mm -hmm. Well, once they reviewed all the applications and they all were properly uh, written to the criteria that was required, then they just put out lottery. Mm. And they select a lottery number. Mm. And you look, and here's your lottery number. If your lottery number is eight or nine, you're a winner. Uh, if your lottery number is like 12, and there's one that's got a lottery number 14, he gets a chance, that developer gets a chance to find fault with your application. What? So you get knocked out, <laughs> and he moves up. So you know, at one point when I was working with my first developer, I was sent out as a spy, <laughs> to make sure, is that grocery store within a mile? And they actually gave me a GPS. Oh, my gosh. Gave me a GPS to check it out, and that happened to some, some folks. Wow. But, so it was very competitive. Uh, but at any rate, it, it works. It, it's, it's been a great program mm -hmm. for the mid-1980s. And uh, I work with a couple of young guys that, that that's all they do. Mm -hmm. And because it is a... Um, it's a complicated application process, uh, and it's, it involves a lot of financing because the tax credits do not pay for the entire Obviously, project. Yeah. Then you've got to get some equity money from banks and people like that. And then there's an obligation that once you build one of these affordable housing developments, it has to stay affordable for low-income people for 50 years. 50? Yes. Wow. And for the first maybe 10 or 15 years, there are very stringent um, compliance officers mm. that come around and visit your facility. Let's say you say, well, we're going to have a, a game room and a computer room and, and all this in the application. 
well, you get awarded that project and you build it. Well, two years from now, when the compliance officer comes around, you better have that game room mm-hmm. there or that library there. So what you find that you didn't find maybe back prior to the 1980s is these buildings function and look just as good seven, eight years later, ten years later, as they did from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's been a, a blessing. Uh, and, and it's very popular. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry we don't have more tax credits to issue to developers so they could build these because all of the apartments I just mentioned to mm-hmm. you earlier have hundreds of people, each apartment, on the waiting list. Yeah. So that's, that's the program that's, that's I've been working on lately. Uh, now, it is also important that local officials buy into the program and assist, and Lakeland has been very proactive. So it's nice that we've got this many. A uh, city our size may not have as many as we do, uh, but we need more. So knowing that it's a lottery system, and I think you you told me in our sort of pre-interview, um, so correct me if I'm wrong, that you, you in one in any given year you can't have more than one awarded to a county? That's right. If they're only going to award 12, and there's different categories. There are large counties, and there's, what, five or six large counties. Mm-hmm. Then there's medium-sized counties and small counties. And they're doing that by population, not yeah, area, yeah, land yeah, mass? Okay. By population. Okay. And so the medium-sized county, like like Polk, like Osceola, or maybe uh, wherever Ocala is, what county that's in, uh, they'll have they can award 12, but it's only one per county. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. Now they wait till the next year and do it again. Occasionally, though, and there is an exception to that, they would have some mid-year applications that they would receive. If there's maybe a hurricane mm-hmm. and some counties has some extra devastation, they'll, they'll do a special program. They also do a special program, uh, usually in around January of every year, request applications for homeless developments. Mm-hmm. So Florida Housing Finance Corporation has several different programs, but the one I mentioned seems to be the most productive for producing affordable apartments. So we're in competition with all of our neighbors here in Polk, Winter Haven, Auburndale, Haines City, Davenport, all of them. Yes, we are. Yeah. Including the county. It's not like you can have one in the county and one in the city. If Polk gets one, that's That's it. it. That's it. Interesting. Sometimes you'll see out of of lottery numbers 12, you'll see a city got lottery number four and a county got lottery number six. Well, they would have normally won with six, Mm -hmm. but the 40 had had the four. Four beat them. Four beat them, so they get bumped. They they get bumped till next year, Mm. which is another problem. (laughs) You've convinced a property owner to take their property off the market and allow you to go and get it rezoned, mm-hmm. go through the application process, go through all that, which may take six to nine months. Come November, you submit your application for that property owner, and it doesn't work. So you go to the property owner and say, hey, would you mind holding mm-hmm. your property off the market for another year so we could apply again? And, maybe and sometimes they will yeah. because, uh, generally speaking, uh, they'll pay asking price. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's and I'll tell you how that's been cured a little bit. Mm. Well, we have about two minutes for break. Tell us what the income levels are and the calculation for the, the places that you build. 
Well, actually, the income levels would be for, uh, let's say, a person, it could be up to $37,000 a year for one person mm-hmm. for, for an apartment. Uh, and, and we have some where the, they do require Florida housing that you set aside some for very low people. Mm-hmm. But if so there's a range. Mm-hmm. But the limit, let's just say the limit would be 37000 for one person. Uh, and if that, if that person wanted to rent a one-bedroom, it would be uh, $700 a month. That's great. For the one, but, at, but we're talking about nice bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's, you know, I think that's what people now expect would like the prices to be for all of us. Um, and, and now you're seeing 11, 1300, 1400 for some one bedrooms. They're just not, not really affordable. So, all right, we'll continue talking with Gene Strickland when we return from the break. We're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm Julie Townsend, your host with Gene Strickland. Uh, we are talking about affordable housing, and Gene was just telling us about the um, the income levels for the kind of uh, uh, facilities that that he builds with his group. So what what were we talking about right before the break, Gene? You were telling us basically a person, uh, single person, is about thirty seven thousand. Uh, is the is the Amount of income that they could qualify to oh, that'd live. That'd be the max. The max. Sixty uh, percent okay. would be twenty-eight thousand. Uh, it's it's not a lot of money, uh, but it's uh, there's a lot of people that fall in that category. I'm telling you, I told you earlier. There's yeah. hundreds of people on the waiting list. Yes, and uh, if you think about you know the the calculation of of what you know a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage would be is is still you know thirty one thousand dollars a year. That's that's right in the middle of that sixty to eighty range. So, you know, the folks who are making $15 an hour um, can't afford much more than the affordable housing that's being built that has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on the wait list. You work two jobs. Yeah, you work two jobs. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, there's other, there's other programs out there that uh, these are apartments. So we've been talking about apartments. And uh, I know working with the CRA and with the city for, you know, many years, obviously, uh, they've had they have lots of uh, land and the city has just recently um, been talking about and and putting together a plan on how to turn those vacant lots into uh, some houses. So 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 folks that don't qualify for your housing, but make a little bit more than that, but still not enough to necessarily, you know, buy the houses that are that are out, uh, you know, all over Lakeland that are super expensive. We have the cities come up with a plan for them, right? Uh, that is the uh, area that I, when I go to cities and counties, they say, look, our other problem, not just for the low income people, are these moderate income people that are teachers and firefighters mm-hmm. and, and they're beginning their career right. and first jobs. Uh, they're not able to build a house. So the city's taken, and they have quite a few surplus lots they've acquired over the years, and they started a program, and I just talked to the city here recently. They have sold 20 lots now, and four homes have been built on those 20 lots. They sell the home for $1,000. The lot. They sell the lot. Uh, mm-hmm. They sell the mm-hmm. lot. Excuse me, the lot for $1,000. And then uh, if whenever the builder signs and sells that uh Lot or sell and builds a home and sells that to a person that's at the 120 percent, maybe 56 or 60 thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year. 
then the city gives them other incentives. Mm-hmm. They will give them down pay down payment assistance for like seventeen thousand dollars a year. They will they will pay for their closing costs. Uh, they already have a, approved plans that can be used to build a house, so you don't have to pay for somebody to design the plans. Uh, they work it all, th- which really significantly lowers it down to an achievable amount of money right. for that moderate group. Right. The, we call it the workforce group. Right. They're just starting out in their careers and their work. And so, and the city's telling me that it's going very well, and they plan to next month to make available 30 more lots that can go under that same procedure. A developer goes, pays a thousand, builds a house. Find somebody that fits within the income limits mm-hmm. here, which are higher right. than my my program, right. and then they and then the person who does that can get additional assistance in down payment, and in and closing. closing costs and things of that sort. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad the city's. I told you earlier the city was proactive, so I'm glad to see that. Yeah, it's 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 a great thing for the the city to do. It's 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 addressing uh, the affordable housing crisis as best I think that they can in terms of selling off the land that they own uh, for practically nothing, a thousand dollars to these developers to build a house. So, uh, and they're all they're you know, there, there's a lot in the, the Midtown CRA, my understanding. And, um, and, you know, they're, they're in the, the parts of the city that already have services, you know, they're, they're, they're infill lots. So, and that's definitely what we want to see is, is infill, uh, uh, housing because they're already, um, you know, near bus stops and, and grocery stores and parks and schools, and it's not contributing to the, you know, the sprawl, um, that, that we, most cities don't like to see, but we've got a pretty significant amount of sprawl, I think in Lakeland. <laughs> well, the Parker street neighborhood, uh, when I was city manager was a very tough place to live in. Yeah, it really was. And in the last five to eight years, I've seen significant improvement due to a lot of good people working there. And so I th- I'm encouraged what's happening in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's a it's a great little neighborhood. Um, uh, my my daughter and her husband actually have a house there, so I'm in that neighborhood quite a bit. And uh, it's it's um, you know it got sort of separated from downtown when we did the the in town bypass the you know and and it cut that neighborhood in two, uh, and then the lower half of that neighborhood was raised and and left vacant for what, a decade probably, um, waiting for just the right development to, to come about. And now we have Mirrorton. So we have the, the, um, the apartments there that are definitely not considered affordable housing. They're definitely market rate. And, and they're uh, full. And, full. and they're full. <laughs> and they are. And they're full. Uh, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, people need a place to live. I think people are moving to Central Florida. Uh, we know they're moving to Florida in great rates. I think they're moving to Central Florida. And, and Lakeland is... It's a great place to live. I mean, it's hard to argue with the proximity to uh, the bigger cities, and you know, you can get to either coast in a in a pretty um, pretty easy clip. And uh, you know, it's as you said, you were talking about one of your sort of great accomplishments in in your tenure was the beautification of of the city, and um, and the fact that I mean, I think that's what that's probably the number one thing that I hear when we have visitors come into my office in downtown, they're coming from Sarasota, they're coming from all over um, the country, really. But even in in Central Florida, I had a couple that came in the other day from Sarasota and said that they couldn't believe how beautiful Lakeland was. It was just such a beautiful city. And I'm like, 
you're coming from Sarasota. That's a great place. <laughs> That's a beautiful city. I, I know. <laughs> well, they've they've got a few more public art statues in the roundabouts than we got, but that's about the only thing different. So we got a lot of green. Yes, okay? yeah. By the way, I do want to mention, if somebody's interested in that city program, yeah. Mike Smith is the new housing director for okay. the city of Lakeland, and Mike's telephone number is 863-834-3367. And he's a great individual. I've been talking to him. He's very enthusiastic about his job, very knowledgeable uh, and he'll make a good team player for, for the city. Yeah, and if you don't, if you, you just re- Mike Mike Smith, you can call the city of Lakeland's general number and just ask for him if you can't remember that phone number, or you can uh, uh, reach out to um, you know really anybody in the community development department. Uh, they'll probably get you get you connected to him if you want to learn more about that program and how you might qualify for a brand new house in uh, in one of these lots that the city has. It owns and is now selling off. So it's a great program. Um, so the just quickly before we go, I know we only have a few more minutes, and you're so much fun to talk to. <laughs> you got such <laughs> great stories that I got to hear off air. Um, but there, you know, we've got uh, we've got the the nice apartments over on Lake Beulah that were that were just built, and, and the city had a, a big. They, they contributed money to that, but that was more. That's a housing authority program. Correct? That's correct. Uh, but the housing authority is working with the same type program I'm working with. They right. actually compete and they uh, send applications to Florida Housing uh, for those programs. And as a result, they've done a great job renovating and improving all those old, older facilities that that you know sometimes housing authorities are known for. Right. You know, but that's going away. It's, if it's not it's gone right now, that's good. It's definitely a, a new age. Those are beautiful apartments on Lake Beulah. Yes. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely replaced something that was less attractive, and now we've got um, some really nice. Actually, the Housing Authority utilizes the same development group, not my group, mm. but another group that does the same thing. There, there are, I don't know how many, maybe 10 eight or ten developers in the state that do that. So mm-hmm. they work with another developer who's been successful for them, which is good. So you have in in the works, uh, you have a project on Griffin Road, right? Yes, we have one that's been approved on Griffin Road, and I'm going to call this a homeless project, but it's not like people living on the street. Uh, there's going to be 60 units in this new uh, apartment, 30 of which will be for homeless, but it'll be people who are transitioning from a program and they've shown that they've, they've got the ability and they're ready to move into more of a permanent housing situation. So uh, it's going to be, a, a, it's going to fill a nice gap because we need that gap filled. Yeah. I think that's a really good point is that you've got these folks that might be coming out of the Talbot House or Lighthouse Ministries uh, programs where they've, you know, They've figured out what they need to figure out, and they've gotten help uh, getting their their life back in order. But, you know, then where do you go from there? Because you can't jump into, you know, even $15 an hour, as we pointed out. You can't, you can't serve, especially single, uh, it's very difficult to find a place to live that doesn't eat up the entirety of your of your paycheck. I, did, I didn't want to, I do want to mention, too, that there is currently not a developer of mine but one over on Plateau by Jesse King Elementary School, which is probably 60% complete, and it is a homeless uh, facility also affordable mm-hmm. through the same programs that I work with. Great. So we're, we're hopefully, uh, little by little, we're meeting the needs of needy people. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, Jean. I really appreciate you being my guest today. You are uh, a delight, and uh, it seems like you are you are also like you know timeless because you have more energy than I do. And <laughs> so I appreciate you being here. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can certainly uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can email me, Julie at uh, LDD, Julie Townsend at LDDA.org, and we'll get you some more information. So again, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Okay.